and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hey, Path 11 Podcast listeners, I was wondering if you have checked out our Patreon page yet. If not, you can go to path11podcast.com and click on the Patreon button. And for just a dollar, one dollar donation, you can have access to some private things that we are putting up on the Patreon page, like my MBT experience that I took in Tennessee with Tom Campbell. I did a an audio journal for about the four days explaining what had happened to me during my binaural beat session. It was amazing, impacted my life, changed my life, but we are only going to allow our Patreon supporters access to the four days of my journal entry. And it is a Food for Thought Friday, so that is where you can find it. You can donate just a dollar to listen to it. If you like the content that we have up on Patreon, you can continue to keep your subscription for $1 a month. Otherwise, you can cancel it at any time. So head on over to path11podcast.com and click on the button that says Patreon. I have a quick announcement before we get to our guest today on the Path 11 podcast, and I wanted to remind you that you can head on over to our website, path11productions.com, and you're going to see Afterlife Awareness Conference. I'd like you to click on that link, and I want you to know that we now have a membership to the directory of all the videos from this live stream event that we filmed back in November of 2018. There were some amazing speakers at this conference, which include William Buhlman from the Monroe Institute, Suzanne Northrup, and Thomas John, who were amazing psychic mediums. You get a chance to see them reading the audience and the people validating what they were saying. Another one of my favorites was Suzanne Geisman, who is also a medium and intuitive counselor and told a fantastic account and story of a soul that had passed away, but left all of these clues and came back to communicate with people. Um, Monica Williams Murphy, she is a doctor and and had a great presentation about conscious dying in the clinical setting. Terry Daniel and Linda Fitch also had amazing uh, workshops that they presented as well. So I'd like you guys to head on over path11productions.com and click on Afterlife Conference. Check out and see all the videos that we have available to you for this membership that we have going on. And now on to our show. I would like to introduce you to our guest today on the show. I have Ingrid Honkala, and she is a PhD and was born in Bogota, Colombia, where she grew up with her parents and three sisters. From the moment she drowned in a tank of cold water at the age of nearly three, Ingrid was aware of other dimensions of life that most of us normally do not experience. She was also gifted with the wise input of beings of light who gave her invaluable insights and assistance as she faced the challenges of growing up, falling in love, and finding her professional destiny as a research scientist and oceanographer. Despite many hardships, she's accomplished her dreams, becoming not just a successful marine scientist, world traveler, and a mom, but also a mentor and a giver of light. 
Through a compelling life adventure that journeys from her native Colombia to Europe and her eventual home in the United States, and from a deadly war zone to underwater explorations and a NASA research center, Ingrid reveals how any human experience can be illuminated from within. If we are willing to pay attention to subtle signs, take our intuition seriously, and forgive most challenging difficulties, anyone can experience a brightly guided life. Through her life, Ingrid has been guided to meet and help many people on their journey to become aware of a deeper reality and reconnect with their inner wisdom. Ingrid, welcome to the Path 11 podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes, and so um, we met at the Afterlife Awareness Conference in Orlando, Florida in November of 2018. Yes, we did. Yeah, so, and I know that you were um, one of the exhibitors there. I don't think that you had the chance to present. Is that correct? I was. We were running around filming so many different things. I didn't get a chance to see all the speakers, but I think you were um, in, in the one room where all the tables were and the people were there. Yes. Am I right? Yeah. yeah, that's correct. I, I didn't have the chance to present this year, but I just um, was yeah in the what we call the the bookstore right. where I my my book display. Yeah. Yes, and the book um, that we're going to be talking about today is called The Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. And what was interesting, I love the cover of the book, by the way. Um, but it didn't mean anything to me until after I read it. And then when I relooked at the picture of the book, I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> so it's, it's a beautiful illustration and I'm excited to tell our listeners about, um, really about your near death experience, about your whole life up until now, because it's very interesting. And I'm excited to also talk about these beings of light that you have had a relationship with um, since you've been young. And hopefully our conversation will help our listeners to remember a lot about who they are through your story as well. So let's begin when you were almost three years old. Yeah, yeah. What what happened there? April was that um, my parents at the time had to both work and they lived us in the, ha the house at the care of the maid. At the time, uh, Colombia was going through a very bad situation of war. So a lot of the people used to send their daughters to live in, in the big cities with, with people. So we had a maid that lived with us in the house, but she was a, a young lady that uh, she didn't really pay too much attention to us when my parents were not there. So it was it was a weekday early in the morning. My parents went to work and we were left at the care of her. And she went to, after they left at six in the morning, she went back to her bedroom. And, and my sister and I that were very young, I, I was close to three, she was close to four decided to sneak out of the bedroom and, okay, no one is looking, let's go to the patio where there was a big tank. And the tank, uh, the purpose of this tank was to hand wash clothes because at the time we didn't have washing machine. So this was a big tank made of cement and, and it was, it hold like around 900 gallons of water. So, um, we pull like it was pretty high, so we pull some stools and climb in the tank. And my oldest sister, she sat on the surface where the clothes are scrubbed, so it was like a flat surface next to the tank. So she was actually a little safer there 
but I went to the other side of the tank and I just leaned, like, came up and put my, bending my legs and I was leaning really <laughs> precariously on this tank, but at the edge of two, I didn't think about any danger. That was not in my mind. We were just planning to have fun playing catch across the tank. So I just say, when I tell the story, I said to people that this day is so clear in my mind that I can actually sense it like it was today. That day we were playing with, with a ball and I can even tell you the color, the, the type of how it had letters that were, were engraved on the ball, everything. So it, these, these images are extremely clear. Then we grabbed this ball and we started to throw the ball at each other across the tank. And when she threw the, the ball at me and I, the, the ball fell on the water. And when I tried to grab it, it rolled on the surface and I fell in the tank. And at that age, I was too, too little to know that if you fall into water, you drown. There was never a reason to think about it because my parents never thought I would, we would just be playing like that in this tank. So when I fell in the water, the, the first feeling was that, that shocking feeling of like, first of all, people usually have the misconception that because I, I, I come from Colombia, I come from hot weather. But Bogota is a city very high, is high up in the Andes. So maybe the temperature in the morning and, and probably uh, usually will be around 40 degrees, like 40, 50 degrees. So the, the, the temperature, the water in the tank was pretty cold. So when I fell, I, I, it was the shocking of like, whoa, this water is cold. So mm -hmm. I just felt this, this feeling of like, <gasps> And then I realized then that I couldn't breathe. So the, this was like shocking in the two ways. I, I was extremely cold and I couldn't breathe. So I tried to, to go to the surface, but I didn't know how to swim, none of that. And then I realized that I was helpless. But when I was in this shocking moment of not being able to breathe and it was this desperate moment of, of wanting to go catch some air. I went from state of absolute panic and shock and what is going on to absolute peace and calm and quiet and serenity. It's just, it's amazing because it's going from one extreme to the other. Right. Just an instant. And I was wow, this is amazing. And at that moment, I saw light. And this tank was very dark because, like I said, it was made of cement and, and it was really early in the morning. So it was pretty dark there. And I went from also seeing that darkness with my eyes in the tank to just now see light. And the light was coming from below and, oh, where is this light? And then I started to see bubbles in the water and the bubbles were like, like filled with light. I'm like, wow. And now I am like following these bubbles. And when I turned my head, I saw a body suspended in the water. 
And when I saw the body, the incredible thing is that at that moment, I knew that that was my body. And I looked at it and the eyes were open and, and it just felt like, oh, wow, that's me. And I was born as a very sick child. And for the first three years, almost three years of my life, I always felt unwell. So this was also a moment of extreme contrast in that sense too. I, I went from feeling this body that always felt unwell to now feel absolutely well. So it was a mix of all this wellness and wow. So at that moment, I also had the realization somehow I knew that I had the free will not to go back to the body. And then I looked at it and I'm like, I'm not going there. <laughs> and I just turned around and left. And at the moment I started to leave the body, I, I started to see flowers that were blooming from nowhere. And everything was just absolutely beautiful, amazing. You just in this state of life, please. And then these flowers bloom and they picked me up and I was lifted and carried away. And it was like going back, I, I say to people, like going back to the womb, like going back to that state where you're just being done. You're, you're not doing anything. You're just there and you're being carried. And these flowers started to bring me in like a forward direction. And I could see like, light, more light, at, at, like farther in the distance. And at that moment, in just an instant, I appeared in the maid's room. And now I was looking at the maid from above. And I'm just like, oh, that's Maria. And she was lying on her bed. And my memories of this moment are so clear that I can't even remember the soap opera she was listening in the radio. Wow. So I just look at her, but she was completely unaware of what was happening. So from there, in like, again, just an instant, I appear in my mom's path. My mom was on her way to work, like I said earlier. So she, it was a long way from the house to where she had to cut, catch her bus. It was about, I would say, close to 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minute walk. So she was walking and then I appeared there and I looked at her from above and I said, oh, that's mom. And that at that precise moment, she felt that something was going wrong at home. She had the feeling something is happening at home. I have to go back. But she knew it was with us. And she she just said, I have to go back. And she started to run back home. And I just looked at her, but wow, at that moment, I just got distracted by the realization that wherever I put my mind, I could go. It was just like, like time and space just vanished and I could go and be anywhere at any time. So mm -hmm. if I would see like something at the end of the street, I would be there. Anything that would catch my attention or, or, or anything I would think, it, I would just be there. 
So I started to play this game to, to go in places and I was having fun. Forgot everything about anything else. And then at that moment, again, just like in an instant, I appeared in a realm that was made of pure, bright, shiny, intense light. Wow, I fell. Now I fell at home. I felt welcome. I felt that I was back home. And although I couldn't see the presence of, of any beings or anything at the moment, I felt that I was being welcome. And it felt at that moment that I was just coming back. Like if just that day, I, I put the example, like if just that day I, I have, we leave the, the house to go to work and come back. So it was like not even time had passed. I, I'd been already here and I was just coming back. And I had this complete and, and oh, feeling that this is just love and, and welcome. And, and I, I just fell in this state of absolute joy. And at that moment, I started to kind of like dissolve and, and be one with the whole. But I also was still having the sense of self. And when I kind of looked at myself, I had the realization that I was a being of light. It was like, wow. Then I knew at that moment that I was not Ingrid. Also, I saw a body suspended in the water and I kind of knew that that was my body. I was still having the sense that I was Ingrid, the two-year-old, but at this moment that vanished too. And now I was not that person. I was not that identity. I was not that personality. Whatever I have developed in those almost three years was not who I was. And then from there, I went even further. And I experienced, I completely dissolved and I experienced what I call a state of nothingness. And I said to people, it's pretty much impossible to explain this state of being or explain what nothing means. But I can say that this is the absence of everything we know, the, the absence of color, movement, form, concept, meaning, feeling. It's just state of just absolute vanishing with the absolute. And from there, I was, as I was experiencing this, this state of being my mom, finally arrived home. And although we live in a pretty big house, she knew exactly where to go and she directed herself to the back of the house. And it was incredible because I, I said people that later when I learned the purpose of many things that happened during the NDE, my sister who was with me was the reason why my mom knew that I was in the tank. She's been like there, she was leaning in the tank trying to get me out. And so when my mom saw her, my, my sister looked at her, she was sobbing. She's like, mom, Ingrid is in the tank and I cannot get her out. And incredibly, my mom who worked with children have been training how to do CPR. 
So when she got me out of the tank and she found that I was just like a raggedy doll, I was no breathing, no pulse. I was completely pale. My lips were blue. She grabbed me and she started to to revive me and just rubbing my body. But when she was doing all these, I didn't feel absolutely anything. I was out there in my state of bliss. And, but again, like, like throughout the whole experience in just like an instant, I felt like I was, I had jumped from the tallest building in the world and I started to fall back. And I felt that I was being pulled, like I was being vacuumed back into the body. It was, it was actually a really horrible feeling. And there was nothing I could do to stop this. And then now I was back in the body and, and all the feelings of like discomfort and, and pain and whatever it was, the coldness came back. And, and I felt really, really unhappy at that moment. Wow. You know, one of the things that I find so fascinating about this is your age of the near-death experience. And like you said, how you're able to recall it so, so clearly, you know, and to think about the two-year-old's experience or the mind, right, and how it's developed and how it can process information. Then, you know, here you are as an adult and, you know, writing your story about it. It's just, it's fascinating that that memory and that experience is like you're living it today as you're talking about it. Um, and the, the one thing that I was curious to know about, it's like when you, when a person has a near-death experience when they're an adult, Typically what I found when I've interviewed those people is, you know, they're of an adult mind. So the first thing that they do is then they begin to research, right? Research more about near death experiences. Maybe they're studying more about consciousness, but how does one, when you have that experience at two years old, like go through life without having the ability to even research or get some of these questions answered, um, you know, until maybe you get to that point where you can. So what was that like for you um, as you were growing up and having this information, knowing this? Now you talked a little bit about it in the book where you were like, you'd get really upset when people would call you your name, Ingrid. You're like, that's not my name, <laughs> you know? So there was like still this sense in knowing and communicating with others about your experience. But, um, you know, what was it like until you got to an age where you could actually understand this at a different level? Wow, it was extremely, extremely difficult because it was not just the ND. Yeah, I mean, the ND was the door for this, but it wasn't just that I couldn't explain nothing that had happened, but also I came back now with, with abilities. And, and it was like from there, I, I acquired awareness. So it wasn't, like when I came back, it, I didn't even feel that I was a child anymore. I can even compare a little bit of the, the three years and, and know what was the feeling of being like a child when you just kind of just learning everything. At this, when I came back, it was the sense that I'm not a child. I have awareness. I, I know I have a lot of knowledge in my head and, and to the point that my mind open in a way that I could learn to read and write pretty quick. For me, it was just remembering, starting to use numbers and, and solve problems and 
it was pretty easy. I, I cut it all really easy because it was for me, it was like I was just remembering. So like I said to you, when I had my near that experience and I realized I had the realization that this was something I was just repeating. This was not the first time I have had a human experience. Mm-hmm. So it was like, like if you now have this awareness and, and your mind is, is open and it's easy and I was just remembering. So it was reading, writing, math, everything that came later was just remembering things. So it was my, I was I started to build these puzzles that were very complex and for me it was very easy to do it. So it's just like, wow, it was, it was really impactful, not just me, but the people around. Suddenly I could talk in a way that people would look at me like how a three-year-old can talk like this. Right. So right. I, I was just, it was incredible. And I would look at my parents and real, have the realization, you are my equals. You, you're not my parents the way you think you are. So I came with all this clarity and for my parents what was hard and for me was hard. So I would look at all their children and, and I would say, why, why they're just... I just felt that I couldn't relate with them, that they were their minds. So I could relate more with adults because I found their mind of a child very undeveloped. This is funny, but I was like, wow, why they cannot get it? What is going on with these people? So <laughs> it was just really shocking. And, and so I, I really couldn't relate with, with people around me. And yeah, I started to look at myself in the mirror and, and tell to my mom, I will go to her and say, mom, you don't understand, this is not me. This is not my name and I, I, and I shouldn't be here. I was mad, I was angry, I would cry. And, and she say, she didn't even, they didn't understand what was happening. So she was like, don't say things like these. So she would say, God, just give you all, look at how pretty you are, look at how gifted you are. And she would try to make me feel better, but I didn't even have the words to express what was happening. And, but like writing the book, and like I said to, to people, the, the help that I needed came in the most amazing, remarkable way. And it was what I would say, just the, 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 the spirit world, the, the guides coming back to, to my rescue, because there was a moment where I just, felt that I couldn't fit in this world at all. I, I stopped eating. I started to be really sick. But right after the, the near-death experience, I started to have out-of-body experiences, which at the time I didn't know what that, that, that was the name of it or anything. But I just started to experience similar things that happened when I nearly died. And I would just go asleep and I start feeling the changes in movement, in color, in sound. And at the beginning, it was pretty disturbing, but I would see a glimpse of that that realm of the light again. So just like, I wanted to go there. And I wanted to go there. So I wanted to be left alone. And I wanted to just go and, and experience that. So I would close my eyes, try to fall asleep, and, and start going there. And, and in one of these, these journeys, one day I was surrounded by, by starlight figures, stars everywhere, like all different colors that you can possibly imagine. And wow, this was absolutely beautiful. 
then this kept repeating. And in one of these journeys, one of these starlight figures turned itself into a human form. It shaped itself like human and and it approached me and it very gentle just touched me in the head. And I had wow. <gasps> At that moment I say you are a being of light. So I recognize this light. Because I saw myself as a being of light during the NTE and during that first experience, I, I, I woke up and came back to to here and I'm like, wow. Then it, just, it, it kept happening. It kept happening. And when this happened, I started to feel better. And every time I, I was in their presence, I just felt at home. And it's when I say people, it's even even from, from small age and, and now that I have the way to understand all that happened. I, I have come to the realization that home is actually a state of being. Because it no matter where I was, but I was at home feeling unwell or whatever my body, whatever was happening. But when I was in the presence of this energy, this high vibrational energy, I felt at home. So after that, there was a day that I was taking a shower because this help me relax I just I, I, water for me amazingly drowning that was so shocking was actually my doorway to to bliss so for me water is very important it, it just brings me to that state of feeling very relaxed and I was taking a shower and suddenly it was the first time in, in this realm with my eyes open I saw a being of light it was this blue, intense, huge, shiny light that appeared in the shower. And I'm like, oh, wow. And from there, I started to see the beings of light here, too, in this realm. And although at the beginning, they didn't say or do anything again, I, I just felt so well in the presence that I started to, again, feel like this is okay. And and I started to eat and, and feel better. And, and I told my parents that, I, I, I was seeing beings of light, but they thought I was dreaming. They said, okay, she's feeling better. She's having good dreams. So so this is good. They, they were very busy at the time because, like I said, you both had to work. The country was going through really hard times. It, they did what they could to deal with this situation. And they, they tried to kind of like, okay, if she's feeling better, let's, let's, let's go with that. And... Yeah, it was a day when, like you mentioned before, I threw a big tantrum because they would come and ask me, like, Ingrid, come to dinner, Ingrid, Ingrid, whatever it was. And I was like, don't call me like that. That is not my name. And this person asked me, then, what is your name? And I said, I do not need one. So. <laughs> I know. I can only imagine that coming out of like a little kid's mouth, like, what? What's going on here? Yes, yes. So this was all really difficult. I, I, I was I didn't even realize I was navigating between the two realms and I was experiencing things, seeing things that other people couldn't and and then it was the first time that the beings of light talked to me. So it, it, they said to me, it was absolutely incredible because imagine just now being not just in the presence of this life, but 
there was voice, there was sound, there was like, and I also could, I, I, I say to people, I, I sense their presence just by also, I can smell them too, just like, it was this, it's this fragrance, it's like, oh, it's the whole space is kind of sacred, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, and then I, I hear, and I hear saying, it's going to take time for them to understand. Yeah, and I know in your book, you shared some other stories of how, you know, your relationship with the beings of light, I mean, they've saved your life a couple times, you know, not just in that instance, but, um, you know, the story that you shared when you were on the beach um, with the men and how you were able to free your hand. I don't know if you want to talk about that story, but that that was you know, just a moment of like, wow. Um, and also like how you described fear just kind of left you and you knew that you'd be okay. You intuitively knew what to do when you guys climbed up, um, you know, the hill to get away. Um, so I was fascinated by that story in the book and, you know, you were much older then. So, um, maybe you'd like to share that of how they helped you in that moment. Yeah, yeah, that story is pretty amazing. Yeah, we, we, we can talk about, about that because that is something remarkable. Like you said, like you're saying, they, 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 there's many instances in which they were in, the, in my path and, and they show me. But all these experiences go beyond the experience, April, and, and it just brings to, to show uh, a deeper teaching that I can just share with you when when I talk about this story but yeah there was a time when um I was already in in college I was uh, around I think it was around 20 19 20 years old and and I was living in in a city called Santa Marta I I moved there because now I I have become I was studying marine biology and I, and I had to move to the coast to continue my career and I had a boyfriend at the time and he came to visit and we went to visit this incredible beautiful beach which is amazing because the whole place was like a paradise and it was a, a beach that was made of made of like a, a small coast that was surrounded by cliffs so to to walk to every little beach, you you had to sometimes wade yourself through the, like go through the, how to say this, swim, or go through really like shark cliffs and things to access every little beach. So um, we just were like doing this for a while until we reached a place where the beach was enclosed by like a really sharp edge and edge, so we couldn't pass to the next beach. So at this point we realized, it, okay, it's time to come back. But this was so pretty after after snorkeling for a while and everything, we sat on the beach, we were we were chatting and, and decided to come back. And, and when we were going to go back to the, to the beach next to this one and, and we were crossing back this edge, three men appeared and Wow, we were we were shocked. We were not expect, expecting these people, but we thought they were just like us. That it was just some tourists or something. But no, it wasn't the case. They started to push us back to the beach, and they started to just scream at us to give them all our. We had a backpack and all our our snorkeling gear, 
and they wanted everything. So we just gave them everything. But we realized at that moment that they wanted more than our possessions. So at that moment, they tied my boyfriend at the time and pushed him on the beach. And they had these really sharp knives and, and, a, and a bottle a bottle that was broken. They were using that as a weapon. And they put that in his neck and, and we were just terrified. And at that moment, I never actually until that point says that they were going to do any further harm to me. But when he started to scream, leave her alone, don't do anything to her, you already have our things. So that was a moment of absolute panic. Like, oh my God, I'm going to be destroyed. And going in, in that shocking moment, I was so scary. I look, I turned my head. I was so fearful. And I didn't want to see how they were going to harm him. So I turned my head and I look at the ocean. And it was this beautiful horizon. And at that moment, when I saw the light that was coming in the horizon, it came to me like the sense of like the presence of, of the beings of light. So at that moment, I, I felt that I kind of elevate my vibrational frequency. And wow, I was astonished by this view. And I sense, and I, even though I, I was in this terrifying moment, the first words that came to my mind was, this is a good day to die. I felt this, this is good. Um, I surrender. I was like, this is just good. And it was when I have the sense that all the fear was gone. There was no fear. There was just <laughs> this moment of serenity. And, and I looked at the guys and there was this really tall, I, I, he was a very tall guy. I don't know who was seek something and, and he was a very muscular guy. He pushed me to the ground and I was not fearful anymore. I couldn't, I, I, there was no thought in my head. And he pushed me and he lied on top of me. And it was, I could say he, he had to be a heavy person and I couldn't even feel his weight. He was probably around 200 pounds and I couldn't feel anything. And they had tied my hands at the back and I was now lying on the on the ground with this guy on top of me. And at some point, no, I don't know how, I cannot explain how I free my hand. And he his head was, was looking down because now he's lowered his other hand and he had his hand on my groin and, and he started to touch me. And at that moment he was looking down. So I grabbed his face with my hand and I put his, I directed his face and his eyes directly to my eyes. And I felt April, the voice coming through me that say, dear, imagine saying this to a person that is about to destroy you. And I was, I just looked at him and say, dear, don't do this to me. And he looked at me and like, he pushed like a coil, like, he just jumped and he said to the others, we're leaving. We're leaving right now. 
we're not, let's go, we're leaving. And they were all like, what? But, but they follow what he said. Because he was very adamant. He was like, we are leaving. And so they, they left. And at that moment, I just, I just came back to like the state of like alert and let's move and let's go. And I, and I just stood up and I ran towards my ex and I untied him and, and he was like, he didn't even know what just happened. And I just said, we have to go. We have to go because they're coming back. And he's like, okay. He, he didn't even ask me anything. He's like, all right. And But like I said, it, it, this was an enclosed beach. So we couldn't leave through like the way they, the other guys left. And the other side of the beach was really sharp cliff. And we couldn't read. I mean, swimming was not an option. I was not a good swimmer. So there was not an option to swim. So I look at the cliff and it was a pretty high mountain but i said to him we have to climb and we were in a really good shape at the time and he's like all right so we climbed this cliff and we climbed the rocks everything and we went to the top and once we were in the top i held his hand and i said lower your head and and at that moment the, these people came back to the beach looking for us and we could see them from up there. We were hanging behind, uh, hiding behind some bushes, and, and we held their hands. I just prayed, and they didn't see us, and they left. And the ex asked me, like, how did you know they were going to come back? And I said, don't ask me. I just know. <laughs> I just knew it. I, I felt it, and, and let's just keep going. Because at that moment of my life, I... I, I I just really had to stop talking about it. I, I didn't know I could see or sense or know anything. I did never told him out there in the soft light or anything. So it was like at this moment of my life, it was my secret. So we, I told him, let's let's go and we walk through bushes. We they have taken everything from us, including our shoes. The only thing I, I had on was my bikini because they even took our clothes. We we had a shorts and a t-shirt they took everything so we were walking in, in i had my bikini no shoes nothing and this was a path full of like all kind of weeds and ferns and everything but we made it through we didn't even feel anything you know this urge to escape from this situation and we went we arrived to the road and there was a car that was coming filled with divers and they saw us. We were in such a bad shape and they picked us up. It was a couple of hours before we could actually jump out of these bushes once we found a road and asked for help. So they picked us up. They took us to a police station and we told them everything that happened. And they told us how lucky we had been because there have been already few murders that had happened and they were looking for the people that were committing these killings. Wow. So it, this was absolutely incredible. But like I was mentioning to you, even, even beyond the experience that was so amazing itself, there was a moment, the moment that I talked to this guy and I looked at him directly in his eyes and these words came out of me. I, I had a moment, and I write in, in the book these, where I felt oneness with this person. 
was a split of second in my life where I felt that him and I were one. And of course, at the time, I couldn't understand what that meant. I'm like, what was that? Mm. What was this that I felt? It was, it, there was no reasoning in my head that could comprehend how could I feel one with the person that was about to destroy me and kill me? And just many, many years later, and, and after many other experiences and realizations, I, I just have experienced again and again that sense of like, yeah, beyond all the surface reality, there's only one. There's only oneness. So I have experienced already in many other occasions. I even experienced it during the near that experience, the sense of oneness. So even even this person at that moment of my life was just that challenge that brought me to see oneness. So it's like it's the realization behind every challenge, behind every experience. I am learning the meaning of being one. I am learning, I am going back to that sense of like, this is no matter what happened in my surface reality. Because deep in, beyond all this, there's only one. There's only wholeness, there's only the totality of everything that... So it's, it's when we know that the core of the, the, the whole reality is love. Otherwise, there's no way you could feel something like that in, in a moment that was so horrific. I, I, I also say to people, with this experience, I learned the, the true meaning of surrendering. And not just with that, you read in the book many others where at that moment where when I said I, I completely surrender, I say to people, when I surrender to death, I leave. When I surrender to, to sickness and, and to suffering, I heal. When I to sur surrender to what is, I found myself. Because what happens is when we're not resisting, so we can become whole. So in, in those moments when we stop all resistance and, and when we see, oh, we see the really meaning of, of the experience, we see the purpose behind the experience, we see that all is happening is for us and not against us. It is for us to go deeper, to go higher, to to go to levels that are like deeper within ourselves. So it's when we realize this is all happening for my own evolution, for my own growing. Yeah, and um, I have another question before uh, we wrap up here, because I'm, I'm curious, what I'm curious about, what I think is really interesting is how you later, you know, went on to be a scientist, a marine scientist, an oceanographer, right? So you're connected with the water. And um, right now I'm immersed in some Western African uh, shamanism tradition, and they really, um, you know, respect and honor the elements. And each year, uh, is a different uh, year will be represented by a different element. So the year of water is usually represented when the uh, last digit of the year ends in a one or a six. Um, so I'm actually curious to know, does your the year of your birth, does it end with a one or a six? No, it ends with a zero. 
with a zero. Okay. I'm just curious to know, like in this tradition, what you might be because uh, water would be one or six. A zero is an earth element. But when I did a water ritual uh, with a teacher of mine, everything that you are describing um that is the spirit of water. It's, I almost feel like I wonder if you were initiated by the spirit of water or the element of water, um, you know, to move into that, to also use that, you know, in your career, because in the water ritual, in this tradition, it is all about surrender. And, um, you know, we actually were brought to the ocean and, you know, this is a ritual that happens at nighttime and we are actually submerged underwater for a period of time. Um, not where we're going to drown, because we're in shallow water, but it's the whole point is to get to that point where you know that you can't breathe, but you are surrendering. And when you surrender, there's a release of the ego and then we're allowed back up. And, um, you know, water rituals tend to bring reconciliation. They restore peace. They're, they're very cleansing. Um, and what I find interesting is that like your experiences were still connected with water. It wasn't like you met these, these people or these men on a street, you know, in a town, but it was by the ocean again. So do you, um, do you think that there is anything within the spirit of water or the element of water that initiated you as being a young child? Yeah, I think, I think that what you're mentioning is extremely beautiful. Yes, because I, for me, water is, is like, it brings me like, it's that cleansing that you mentioned. It, it, it brings me, it's, it, for me, it's like, I'm bathing in clarity. When, when I, like I was saying to you again, when I saw a being of life for the first time in this realm, I was taking a shower. And it ha this happens to me when I am in the water or when I am like meditating close to water or when I'm taking a shower, I, I, it's like I open and I receive a lot of information. Nowadays is, is the way actually I, I work things. Like say I, I have a session with somebody, somebody wants to talk to me or I'm about to do something. I, I like to go in water and, and when I am showering or when I'm, I'm sensing the water falling on me, it, it's like open my, my channels. I go like to higher vibrational frequency. It brings me calmness and and at that moment, I start receiving a lot of information. I, I connect with the higher self of the person that is wanting to talk to me, wanted to talk with me. And, and I start hearing and receiving a lot of information that I could give to this person. So, yes, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you that that water, it feels like a purifying element that, that helps me erase my frequency. Brings me up, and and I've been close to water all my life. I I lived in different islands, and I am a diver. I've been diving in all kind of different places, and 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 for me, water is 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 just sacred. Yeah. yeah. And your husband wrote a very beautiful um, forward in your book, and you know one of the things that he claims is um, just really how 
you know, lovely you are. Of course, you know, he would say that, but just how you're able to stay so grounded yet loving and so spiritual at the same time. And, you know, many times when people hear the word scientist, you know, they may think that that is somebody not so much grounded in, uh, you know, spirituality, but they want more of the facts and, you know, they're trying to prove things. But, um, you know, your husband said that you balance it just so beautifully. So what is it like to be, to have that, um, you know, experience of, you know, being a scientist and the oceanographer and also like having the beings of light around you all the time? How do you incorporate everything uh, to work so well in your life? This is, this is absolutely beautiful. And you, this is amazing because you're asking me questions that before, like, like the interview, I, I, I was writing about these things. So, <laughs> so it's cool. Yes. I'm just like, I just wrote about this yesterday. So yeah, the, the amazing thing is, is that that was my question since, since really young. I said, how I can live when I realized that I was experiencing this, this upper realm or this realm of the light. And I was kind of like feeling a split between the two. I, that was my question always, how I can have a spiritual and a secular life combined together. How, how can I do this? And that was the whole teaching. It was like they, they are not separated from each other. You are. I, I found this beautiful teaching that says, like, if the, in the core of our being, we are joy and peace and love, is that's, who, that's who we are. So the true question is, what are we doing to disturb it? Mm. So it's when I realized that, oh, yeah, the core of my being is a spirituality. The core of my being, my authentic self, is, is that one of love, of joy, of peace, of serenity. So now it's how I can bring myself without all the conditioning, without all the structure of the personality and layers of Ingrid into the world, into my daily life, into everything I do. So it's not like like use the external Ingrid to try to bring spirituality into my life. It's being who I truly are. So when I go to war, when I do my science, when I am around people, it's, it's like just be that. Look, this, this, there was a question that I asked to the beings of light one time. I said, look, guys, you put me here into this world of scientists and I'm surrounded by all these minds, but how can I bring to them a spirituality? How can I bring these to them if they don't understand it or, or they don't understand what I, I am about? And there was a moment they said to me, do or say nothing. The light of your awareness is all they need. Mm. So again, it's going back to be. Being, right, right. Be, you truly are. So it's like, oh, so it's bring, bring your true self wherever you are. Like now that you're mentioning my husband, there was like, I couldn't tell him at the beginning when I just met him, hey, I can see. Pretty shocking and scary. So it took 11 years, April, to tell him that I could do these things. But that was perfect, too, because when the moment came where I finally could open to tell him these things, we can we come back to the foreword of the book because he I said to him, hey, 
Baby, what if I tell you that I could see beings of light? That I knew that you and I were going to be together since I was nine years old. And he just looked at me and he was amazing. He said to me, look, after I've known you for 11 years and I know the mother you are, the wife you are, how grounded you are in your world, in your, in your work, the, the scientist you are, the successful person that you are. Ingrid, if you tell me that you could ma move mountains, I believe you. <laughs> he said to me, if anybody is crazy here, that's me. Not that's you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that I, I went back to what the beings of light told me. Be. Be that being. Be that light. Be that love. Be that joy. And the rest will resolve. And that's what one of my teachers had uh, said, and I have heard before too, you know, was don't try to convince anyone of anything, you know, that, you know, just, just be, and people will witness that. And then that's what will make them curious to want to know more, <laughs> you know, or, you know, you just kind of, you are that model for it. You just live your life in that way and be that. And that's the teaching that that teaches more than, than words. Yes. So I, I said, like, I, throughout my career, April, I have been able to be all over the world in oceanographic cruises. And, and it's amazing how by just being, like we're talking, just by expressing my true self, I was able to share science and spirituality with people all over the world. I've been in 56 countries in the world. And wherever I have been, I have met people who are is open to share with me at, at deeper levels. But like you said, I don't go saying I do this or I am that or I see this. Even even just recently, I started to talk about the being so light. All the other years, it was just be your true self. Mm -hmm. That's all. And people and and when people sense that from you, they open to you, like you're mentioning. They they want to know more. They they want to open themselves to you too. So this is this is what the true teaching is: be your authentic self, and the rest will get resolved. Well, Ingrid, I'm so glad that our paths crossed. Um, and I would say, you know, when I did see you and I was in your presence, I felt something, um, you know, and that's what was also like drew me to you to say, oh, yes, we have to have a conversation with her. Um, so I'm so glad that our paths cross. Hopefully they will cross again. You're a wonderful guest. And I do hope that our listeners um, will check out your book, A Brightly Guided Life, How a Scientist Learned to Hear Her Inner Wisdom. And and um, can you let them know what your website is? So if they would like to um, check out your blog, you have some great blog posts. You have great YouTube videos on there. They can um, also join your mailing list. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, my website is IngridHonkala.com. And I um, also, like you mentioned, I have the YouTube videos and I am on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So I try to just put nice, beautiful, sharing beautiful thoughts and quotes every day to just lift our spirit, lift our spirit. My, my work nowadays is I wake up every day, people, and I think, God, how can I serve you? Mm. How can I serve you? And, and that's my work. That's the path I'm following now. How can I serve? 
Yeah. I give all this and, and, and help others to reveal who they truly are, that beautiful light that we all are, like the men on the beach. He does he didn't know at the moment that he is that light too. So deep inside we are all this light. That's why we're connected. Well, Ingrid, thank you so much. You are so sweet. And I just love your energy. <laughs> I wish we had like two more hours. I could just sit and listen to your voice. And, you know, we could talk some more, but um, we do have to run. But thank you again for being a guest on the Path 11 podcast. And I know that you're going to continue to do great service in the world. We're, we're lucky to have you here. And I'm glad you decided to come back. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's such an incredible blessed to meet you too. I love meeting you at the, at the conference too. And I'm so glad we're here talking today. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four-day four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out-of-body experiences and life-changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people Uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today. (laughs) 